Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Business Builders podcast. Uh, I'm here live today with my guest, John W. Gibson, Jr. Uh, John Gibson, how are you today? Doing great. Awesome. I'm glad that you were able to join us and uh, the Oil and Gas Business Builders to talk about um, building businesses in the oil and gas industry. And, um, you know, we've got uh, people all over the world who are, uh, you know, building businesses of various kinds in the oil and gas industry. Uh, I saw your talk actually last week at the SPE Innovation and Entrepreneurship Summit, and I really enjoyed it. Um, you had some great tidbits for me as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure for everybody else as well. So I wanted to um, invite you onto the show and um, share share all your great um, thoughts and advice with our listeners as well. So, so John, um, you know, how, how is everything? Are you, uh, doing pretty well? It's Friday getting ready for the weekend. <laughs> well, I'm getting prepared to go out to my, my farm and dig in the ground to find a leak in a water pipe somewhere where I can restore water. So uh -oh. <laughs> not all of life is, uh, is big business. Some of it's just the fundamentals. So I'll nah. be digging and looking for a leaky pipe here just a little bit. Uh oh, <laughs> well, uh, hopefully we can, um, you know, have, have a little fun on the podcast first before you go have to start digging for uh, leaky pipes, but <laughs> all right. So I'm going to introduce you to our listeners. Um, I'm going to just read through your bio so that they all have a good idea of, uh, you know, who you are and what your background is before we get started talking together. John W. Gibson Jr. is CEO and president of Flowtech Industries. John is a recognized leader with more than 35 years of global experience in the energy technology, oil and gas services, and exploration and production sectors of the energy industry. John most recently served as chairman of energy technology at Tudor Pickering Holt & Company, TPH, an energy-focused investment bank headquartered in Houston. In this role, he led a team focused on opportunities in emerging oil and gas technologies. Prior to TPH, Mr. Gibson served as president and CEO of Tervita Corporation, a major Canadian-based environmental and oil field services company. Prior to Tervita, he was president and CEO of Paradigm Geophysical and Landmark, Gra Landmark Graphics Corporation, as well as president of Halliburton's com Halliburton Company's Energy Services Group. John currently serves as senior advisor to TPH, as well as director of Orocobra Limited and Blueware Inc. He is a member of University of Houston's Energy Advisory Board, University of Texas at Austin's Bureau of Economic Geology, Visiting Committee, and the National Board of Kickstart for Kids. He holds a BS in Geology from Auburn University and Master of Science in Geology from the University of Houston. Um, I also hold a bachelor's in geology from Mount Holyoke College in Western Massachusetts. Cool. So we're a couple geologists. <laughs> we'll, we'll grab rock hammers and hit the field here. After yeah, the podcast, yeah. So. yeah. Awesome. So, wow, you've got a great background and a lot of really great experience that I'm sure we can all benefit from, you know, your, your advice along the way. 
So uh, <laughs> I've had some success and some failure. It depends on which one you want to leverage. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure both are uh, instrumental for, you know, all of us building businesses in the energy sector. We're all going to succeed sometimes and fail other times. So, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I learned in my MBA. I think, you know, in the MBA school, we do case studies so that we can learn from other people's, you know, challenges along the way so that we can kind of kickstart, you know, jump ahead a little bit without having to make those mistakes ourselves. So. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, fear of failing can paralyze a lot of people. And if you really want to be successful, you can never think about failing. It just happens occasionally. And yeah. you get up and keep going. Yeah. So. so tell me a little something interesting about yourself, John. Do you have some sort of interesting fact about you or something that a lot of people might not know? Oh, I think most people know everything about me. So there's probably not much, uh, not much interesting. Um, you know, just, I don't know, passionate about reading. Uh, I, you know, early in my career, I tried out stand-up comedy. So I did a few yeah. comedy performances there at the comedy workshop, which used to be at Shepherd and Gray. And so I think that's probably the best training I have gotten to be a, a CEO in this industry is, you know, how to deal with hecklers. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I try, I don't know, I have a life of great curiosity and, and just enjoy learning about almost anything. Oh, that's great. Awesome. What What's the most recent or one of your favorite books you've read? Oh, now, uh, always, I mean, I do this every day, but the Bible <laughs> is absolutely my favorite book. Uh, for a book more, a little more secular, uh, Dr. Rushworth Kidder became a great friend of mine, and he wrote a book called How Good People Make Tough Decisions. Hmm. And when I was at Halliburton, you know, we were being accused of some ethical issues and he was the president, founder, CEO of the Institute for Global Ethics. Hmm. And I called him up and I said, uh, I, I got through to his secretary and to him and said, my name's John Gibson and I'm the uh, president uh, of Halliburton Energy Services globally. And that name resonated with everybody in the country at the time. Hmm. And he, did, he said, I, I don't believe you. And huh. I said, well. Dr. Kidder, I'll tell you what, do. I'll leave it to you to find a telephone number for Halliburton. You call, ask the receptionist to put you through to me. I'll tell my assistant to take the call when it comes in and forward it to me. So about hmm. six or seven minutes later, he's on the telephone and, and he gets through and he says, I can't believe this. I'm talking to the president of Halliburton. <laughs> Well, actually, I can't believe this. I'm talking to Dr. Rushworth Kidder. And, yeah. and he'd written a book called How Good People Make Tough Decisions. Wow. And and I said, I'd just like to talk to you and mm -hmm. talk about the challenges that we faced and the perceptions that are out there and how do I deal with that. And uh, he became one of my, my dear friends. And uh, I contributed a chapter to one of his books on parenting, believe it or not. There's something no one would know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's just a, a fantastic uh, thinker in the area of how do we decide and, and how should we make decisions and the methodology we should use. And so probably my favorite sort of operational book. Huh. Wow. Thank you for that recommendation. I will check it out. <laughs> That's cool. He wrote another book on moral courage mm -hmm. and, uh, and one on parenting. My, my chapter is actually in the parenting book, but mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, it, it's been, it was inspirational to sort of 
to to get a framework for how to decide things. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed your talk last week at the IES. Um, you talked about significance and um, that to me was, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we all think about success of our businesses. We all think about, um, you know, do we have a good product? Do we have good services? Are our, um, you know, ducks in a row, basically, when it comes to our financials, what, you know, whatever it is, all these like technical details. But, you know, I, I what I really liked about what you talked about was, um, you know, kind of the internal being of the successful entrepreneur and, um, you know, the desire for significance that you talked about um, overweighing even like the desire for um, profit. And uh, I, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to do that. I, uh, they asked me to come and speak on entrepreneurship, and uh, a lot of people would see me as entrepreneurial, including myself. My first endeavor in it was uh, at Chevron. I was working in research in California, and mm -hmm. I worked with some of the most, the, the absolute most brilliant people I've ever encountered in my life, uh, uh, Dr. Ross Hill and mm -hmm. Dr. Chuck Sword. And what they were doing was just phenomenal. And so it, what, how they could take a look at uh, subsurface data, how they thought about modeling and geophysics. I mean, these, these two gentlemen are absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I, I decided that I could make a bigger difference for Chevron and, uh, and contribute more and be more significant by explaining to people how to use their technology than I could from doing my own research because I was not in the same uh, level uh, as, as these two men and their knowledge of the space and geophysics and geology, I did, they were just unbelievable. I nowhere in their, their zip code with regard to intelligence, but I was really good at explaining what they did to other people hmm. and having other people adopt it and begin to use it. And I, I learned that that was a, a real skill set. And so, um, it, so I looked at it and realized that that's what being an entrepreneur is, but, but the entrepreneurship thing, is a little strange because in almost every case, and this includes myself, uh, we're really driven to do something by our own insecurity. And so yeah. we're trying to prove to people that we have something that, uh, that we can overcome adversity or that we, that we should be thought of in a positive way. And that insecurity drives almost all great uh, entrepreneurs that you look at, whether it be Jeff Bezos, or it's, it just it doesn't matter. Oprah Winfrey, uh, mm -hmm. people that have taken and created a great product. It's in a lot of ways, it's saying that poverty doesn't define me being the child of a single parent or from a divorce or from an, being an orphan or being from a, a, a family that doesn't have prestigious jobs. None of those things define me that I'm going to define myself. I'm going to be significant and you can be significant through raising money which we talked about there at the SPE or through making money and being a billionaire for a lot of people, that's significant for me. Not probably not as much. Um, mm -hmm. I need a little money to enjoy life, but don't need a billion dollars. Uh, the, the second one is that there are people that achieve significance through how they influence other people. And so we talked about Billy Graham before the internet, you know, he reached over 2 billion people. I mean, incredible significance as a, as a person and, and driven by a passion 
as I said there, you got to be angry or passionate. Angry because people aren't doing something or passionate about getting them to do something. And uh, so you look at it and go, wow, what a phenomenal, you know, contribution that people can make. And then today, I I mean, I'm really blessed. I've got a great mind here, uh, uh, Dr. James Silas. And James and I were talking about the fact that he was talking about significance. It can be to someone. And I was being an advocate. It could be to something. I know people from Gardner's intelligence. And if you take a look at the different types of intelligence, whether it's uh, emotional intelligence or visual spatial intelligence, uh, but there are people that actually have uh, intelligence associated with nature. You can uh-huh. actually get angry and passionate about this planet, about the ocean, and about and and making a difference there. So your life can be significant if you take on a challenge like cleaning up the environment or eliminating the use of toxic chemicals and in oil and gas operations or reducing our greenhouse gases. So the, the trick though is you gotta get at, you gotta get angry. You've got to get passionate. You've got to go, I am going to change this. And I nothing is going to prevent me from making a difference. And you don't want to just have a job. You you want to have a passion if you want to be significant in life. Yeah. No, I, I actually I really resonated with that message when I heard it from you last week. And in fact, that that's what uh, motivated me to ask you to come on my podcast. Uh, you know, because I, I hadn't actually recorded an episode in, in over a month. And I said, well, if I want to be able to, you know, help people make it, you know, to make a difference in the industry and help help other people be successful in their businesses, which is what I'm passionate about. You know, I need to get on it. <laughs> you got to work. Yeah. It, it was inspired. It always inspires me more than people realize, but a number of people came up afterward and said, I haven't been doing what I should be doing. Yeah. And, and if I'm going to be successful in their minds, be significant. Uh, I have to go back and, and get serious about something that I'm going to make a difference in. And, and as you know, in that talk, I talked about Henry Ford and I went, mm-hmm. he created mass production. Yeah. And in many ways, he, unintended consequences, but he's turned people into cogs in a machine. Mm-hmm. And we simply do the same thing over and over. And we're paid for the time that we do things, not for the value we create. Yeah. And if you really want to be significant, you can't be paid for your time. You've got to mm-hmm. be paid for the value you create. And so you, you want to get excited about the difference that you can make, excited about the significance that you can, the change. So you've got to be passionate and angry, not punching a clock for a check. Now, yeah. there'll be people that do that. And that's perfectly okay. I don't, I'm not saying the whole world has to change. But if, if you want to make a difference, then, you know, don't go sit behind a desk and, and or stand outside and and do a repetitive task that a robot will be able to do in 10 years. Find something where you can actually make a contribution and, and make this a better place for all of us. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, I think I think that's absolutely true. It's really about like what's inside of us and the passions that we have that we can bring to the world and then actually bringing them to the world and 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 like you say, getting angry and you know, and I think some, for some people maybe, uh, I think it's easy to become sort of like a little bit complacent, especially when we all have, you know, if we're, you know, I mean, the last year has been a really difficult year, but you know, for those of us who are full time employed in corporate jobs, you know, doing pretty all right probably, and uh, you know, one of the things that 
was sort of a catalyst for me starting my business was the last downturn in the oil and gas industry when, um, you know, pretty much my whole sales team got uh, sort of the boot. And, you know, I no longer had that issue where I had to say, well, do I want to have a, a nice paying corporate job or do I want to like go off as an entrepreneur? So I think, you know, it can be, I've, I've heard it likened to um, kind of like the, the, the dinghy or the lifeboat. It's like a lot of people will start businesses when they're full-time employed and it's like, well, what time, at what point in time do you cut the cord or, you know, do you come into it at a time when your cord is already cut? Like kind of I did. But <laughs> I like that one better. I, I often can't coach people. I've got a lot of young executives I mentor. And when they start doing things outside the company and they're not focused on the success of the organization that they are working for, I mm -hmm. advise them to quit. I go, yeah. you know, it's when you're working at a senior level in particular and you've, you're dedicated and you have signed on to do a particular task. The moment that you find that that doesn't interest you and your interest are in something else, you are not fulfilling your obligation to the people that you signed to work for. Yeah. If you want to have integrity, resign and go do the thing you're passionate about. And so that and I think you're absolutely right. You have to be the judge of that. Is this just something I'm investigating or I'm curious about or has my passion shifted from what I'm doing to another avenue? And if it does, you really have the duty to go and pursue that and stop. Uh, to charging people for your attention and your skill sets when you're not dedicating them to that task. And a lot of people <clears throat> don't, don't stop doing that soon enough. Right? They, they'll, and there's some great examples out there of people that have made fortunes by creating businesses while other people paid them. I don't yeah. consider that to be very high integrity actually. So <laughs> I would say, you know, be honest with them and, and just yeah. go ahead and start your business. Yeah. And I guess, I guess this also applies, you know, just to people who are employed as well. You know, if you're employed in something that you're no longer passionate about, then, you know, is there something that you could think about doing that you would be more passionate about that where you could really contribute your skills versus, you know, sort of a, you know, I've, I've, I've been in corporate jobs where I see people there who, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like they're really passionate about it anymore. And, and maybe if that's you, maybe it's time to ask yourself, you know, is, is this really where I want to be? Because it's also, you know, wh whatever we're doing, like that's about our life and, uh, and what we're contributing and what we're bringing to the world. Like you said, the significance and whether that's starting your own business or contributing as an employee somewhere, you know, where can your gifts really be? contributed uh and and, uh, and you should always be seeking a chance to learn and and so i've had the great privilege uh the, the very you know obviously i learned from my father mm -hmm. um i went into the military uh, i had an african-american uh platoon sergeant named sergeant montgomery that changed my life fantastic guy named a guy named captain tillet that mm -hmm. helped me get into college when I left the military and wanted to go back to college. And mm -hmm. he wrote a letter of recommendation for me to help me get accepted. Um, in college, I had a, a Dr. Robert Cook was a, a mentor and inspired me. I came to work 
And, uh, you know, I, I worked for uh, William H. Harrison III, who was my first supervisor in oil and gas. And he was just a fantastic and inspirational uh, person, very technically astute. Uh, for Morris Isaac, when we moved over to Chevron, incredible integrity and was a great inspiration to me and gave me latitude to grow. Bob Peebler, when I left to go to Landmark, uh, actually Jim Downing before that, just mm -hmm. huge integrity, paternal guy, built a Zycor. Bob Peebler, a visionary, mm -hmm. uh, just an outstanding guy. Went over to Halliburton, uh, you know, worked at Halliburton and I, in many ways, I think I brought a lot more to Halliburton than I learned from Halliburton, but what a privilege to work for Dick Cheney and mm -hmm. uh, sort of see how he viewed the world. And mm -hmm. um, it's it, it very different than the oil and gas upbringing that uh, I, I'd had. Uh, went into Trevita, got a chance to work for some of the large PPE companies. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just been the, throughout life. Now I'm working with a board that includes uh David Nirenberg, uh, who's just fantastic uh, family fun. I think he was a contributor to the Holocaust Museum in New Orleans. And so he's got great passion for that story. We have Mike Fucci, who was the past chairman of Deloitte. I mean, and they they yeah. know people, they know processes, they and they're significant people. And wow. and you can you can learn from them. And so I've been really blessed. Uh, throughout my career, uh, Jim Medlock, who's the CEO of Intergraph, saved my career uh, mm -hmm. by, by calling and asking him for help. Uh, Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates did a commercial for us in 1996 when I asked him to and, and also gave me guidance that uh, made Landmark a, a significant company. And so it, it's amazing. Ask for help. People love to help you. Learn from everybody you come in contact with and try never to be negative. Right. It's uh, I don't remember all the good things that happened and I compartmentalize and forget all the bad ones. Right. So because yeah. you don't want to repeat them accidentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your, uh, you know, thoughts and advice and ideas. And, um, you know, just it's been great hearing about, you know, your take on the sort of business and your experience and, uh, significance and getting angry. I think, you know, definitely we should all get angry with what we're passionate about, like just bring our passion and um, bring our passion to the industry and, and contribute that way. We, we'll be a great industry because <laughs> we have people that are passionate about the environment, passionate mm -hmm. about reducing greenhouse gases, about being great citizens of the planet. Uh, you've got People like Toby Rice with EQT, um, you you have uh, you know the the whole equitable origin effort that's going on. These are things of merit. They're hard for us to do, but if you really want to make a difference and be significant, we're going to have to adopt difficult tasks, and we're going to have to get mad about the way we do things and change the way we work. And this is an industry I think that can reinvent itself over and over as things change. It's done it in the past with safety. It's going to do it now with uh, ESG. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be in the industry. And uh, I'm always happy to come on and comment about where we're going. Awesome. Thank you. And, and John, is there a way for listeners to reach you? Can they find you on LinkedIn or um, how's the best way for them to find you? 
LinkedIn's great, and I sleep under a bridge down near. No, uh, <laughs> LinkedIn's fantastic, and and I'm a little slow there because I've got way way too many requests that come in every day. But uh, uh, I do respond, and you know, love to connect to people. Um, do remember, I'm I'm reasonably busy, and I have a full time day job. So yeah, uh, but but love to connect and and make a difference. Maybe one day I'll just coach instead of. Uh, be a CEO, but uh, what what a wonderful industry we're in, and and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome, wonderful! Thank you so much for being on the show, John, and thank you to all of our listeners all over the world. Thank you to the oil and gas business builders, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time. Well, you're kind. Take care. All right, thanks, John. <laughs>